Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. It's good to be in Alabama. People in Georgia, we love Alabama. You know why we love Alabama? Because y'all protect us from Mississippi. And uh, if you're from Mississippi and you're here today, I apologize, but you know what I'm talking about. You know it's true. That's why you came to Alabama, right? I am here. um, Now, I want to show you the obligatory uh, picture of my family. Uh, This is my family, I think, somewhere. Do we have that picture? And uh, my wife and I, Candace, we have seven children. And um, people have said, man, you must love kids. I don't. I don't even like children. But my wife, I can't keep her off of me. And uh, we have a special relationship. And uh, after 15 years of being married and seven kids, we figured it out. You, may, you know, in our family, seven children's nothing. My mother-in-law, who we just celebrated her 90th birthday on Friday, is one of 27 children. 27 children, don't even ask. And so seven in our family, in our family is really not a big deal. So. All right, anybody hungry for the word, truly? Like, you didn't just come to church because you have to. Y'all don't mean it. How many of you are hungry for the word? Come on. So I want to I pray. I have a word from you, from the Lord, that I want to deliver this morning. I pray that it be more than a sermon or a talk or a teaching. I really want to make a, I, wanna, I want the Father to make a contribution into this house. This is a great church, and you don't need me to tell you. But like, I, I need somebody to take a picture of I me. Mean, like when Pastor Travis Johnson called me to come and speak at the Pathway Church, I was like, man, I thought about bringing my own media team just to come and get pictures of me at Pathway Church. Tell somebody, do you realize this is Pathway Church? Turn tell two or three people right there. Wait, some of y'all got the spirit of rebellion. Why are y'all sitting there just with your arms? Come on. All right, I pray the people for you, Pastor Chad, over at airport campus, and those of you online are a whole lot more with it than, than, like, just submit to the spirit, people. Everybody ready? Everybody ready? Y'all sound like a bunch of, uh, everybody ready? Awesome. Our church is packed. We've had to add services by shuttle buses. We literally, in COVID, have, our church has quadrupled in size, and it's because of what God's doing. And um, I, I come this morning with a word from a place that is literally just, it's, it's on fire. And um, I pray that what God is doing around the nation, that the awakening, the shaking that's happening in this crazy season of history, I pray that Pathway Church will be right in the middle of it. How many of you love for God to do something that's undeniable, undefinable, and crazy, just amazing of <laughs> biblical proportions? Amen. So let me pray for us. Father, we ask you, Lord, take over, take charge. It's all about you, Lord. It's not about any of us. I thank you for this incredible pastoral team. Thank you for Pastor Kyle, this worship team, the people who have gone before, tip of the spear. Your presence is here, and we acknowledge that. Now we ask that you would tenderize our hearts. I pray that you would speak, Lord, and that we would hear you speak. 
that I would be silent in your presence, that I would disappear in your glory. May we see you and may we hear you and may we be transformed by you, your presence, and the, the reality, the truth of your word that sets people free. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. I want to speak to you for a few minutes on the subject of if you know, you know. And if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Some people don't know that they don't know. But if you know, you know. The subtitle is a first-hand faith that rests in the power of God. I'm reading the Old Testament. I'm reading the Bible through again this year. And I'm almost through the Old Testament. And when I read the Old Testament, I don't know how you are when you read the Bible through. But for me, I feel sorry for those people. I mean, they're up and down, in and out. And every year when I read it, there's two things I realize. Those poor people, Jesus needs to come. They need Jesus. They need the Lamb of God so that they can have the curtain temple torn apart and they can go into the Holy Holies and have intimate relationship with Almighty God. How many of you are glad Jesus came? Y'all aren't glad. How many of you are glad Jesus came? Seriously. The second thing I realize when I read the Old Testament is they need the Holy Spirit. Now, I know the Holy Spirit came upon people at times in the Old Testament, but there was not an abiding um, infilling of the Holy Spirit like we can enjoy now. And as I watch that and I see that, I realize why God put two verses in the book of Ezekiel when the prophet said this. And listen, he was speaking about what was going to happen when Jesus came. Two verses, he says this, I will give you a new heart. Everybody say new heart. And I will give you, I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I don't know if that ver those two verses speak to you like they do to me, but they should. This speaks about an amazing, intimate connection. God knows what these people in the Old Testament are having. They're up and down, in and out, can't be consistent. God's done amazing miracles. They can't value them like they should, and they can't enter in relationship like you and I can. And this is why God says, there is a day coming, listen to me, God says, where well, I'm going to put my very spirit in you. I'm going to give you a new mind, a new heart, a new spirit. I am going to live in you. How many of you are glad that time has come? Come on. Now, growing up in a pastor's home, I've always wondered, why don't people change? Why don't people mature spiritually? Some people just stay the same. And we're in a day now in, in, in America where we have a version of Christianity where People don't get stretched, they don't grow. And we now have, in some big churches, this, this staff member that's called the Director of Spiritual Formation. And they come up with programs to kind of help foster a culture of discipleship because we're all recognizing. We're filling up churches, we're telling people the right stuff, but people aren't changing. There's a book that I read early this year called the, others, the Other Side of Church. I have it right here. I highly recommend it. And what it brings out is that we're learning 
A lot about the brain now in neuroscience, listen to this, this is really fascinating, that we, we, what we're learning about the brain is helping us to understand some scriptures at a whole new level. About the brain specifically, I want to talk about how we remember things, long-term memory, the first part, uh, the first long-term memory of the two in our brain is semantic memory. Semantic, which has to do with words. It's the free, prefrontal lobe. It's where we hold knowledge, data, facts. If you know a lot of this stuff, you'll win a lot of money on Jeopardy. Like you know the capital of Alabama, right? Is Montgomery, if you didn't know that, you should. At some point in your childhood or education, you probably learned all the capitals of all 50 states, but now you use that or you lose it. And you go, I know Montgomery and Tallahassee, and after that, you may not remember. And that's semantic knowledge. You know, um, most of us at some point learned all of the presidents, the 46 presidents of the United States. But for most of us now, it's um, George Washington, the guy with the beard and the hat, Clinton, Obama, Trump, Biden. And, and we know that, but we've forgotten a lot of that semantic, the facts, the knowledge about who was president. And that's our semantic memory. The other side of our brain holds our autobiographical memory. Some call it our episodic memory. And you may recognize that word. It's the word that where we get episodes. In our autobiography, it's what we've lived through. Our autobiographical memory, this is what you remember about your story, what you've been through. And that usually becomes your identity who you are, it's the story of your life, what has happened to you. Your autobiographical memory is connected to your entire personhood, and these are the astounding things that we're learning. It's interconnected with your breathing, the health of your heart, your heart rate, your ability to relate to others, your morality, um, your ability to empathize with others and how you interact in social situations. And listen to me, the thing that's so critical about your episodic or your autobiographical memory is that it stores in your brain what has happened to you, shapes you, and it, it, your brain then predicts who you are and what is going to happen to you. And that's a challenge because some of us have been through some stuff. We have some episodes that shaped us in negative ways. And that's why this verse right here is so powerful. Where, it said, where God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to touch you and you're going to know more. I'm going to put my spirit in you and you're going to know more than data, facts, you're gonna know more than the ability to memorize and quote scriptures in your semantic. He's, he says, I'm gonna put my spirit in you and I'm going to heal you and erase some of the things you've been through that have shaped you and I'm going to restore you because my spirit, 
Come on, somebody. Is going to actually be in you and cleanse you and renew you and restore you. Like in this room right now, I can say God is good. And I, if I ask a question, everybody would go, yep. How many of you believe that? You'd raise your hand. And many people, everybody in this room knows God is good. The Bible says it. But some of us know God is good. Anybody know the difference? Like, so everybody knows God is good, but some of us know, no. God, he was good, is good, he's always going to be good. How many of you know that God is good? There's a big difference. Now, people who grow up, we're around church and we learn, we, we hear so much data. We've heard enough great sermons. We know enough doctrine to get to heaven and back three times. And we're like church people. We know all the stuff, but our life isn't shaped by what we really know. Just like the Pharisees, the religious crowd, the time of Jesus in John chapter five, Jesus confronts them and he says, listen, look here. He says, y'all know the scriptures, you can quote them and they testify about me. And you think that your ability to know them, quote them, is salvation that's not the point jesus says all of those scriptures speak about me you've re you've memorized them and i'm standing here in front of you and you don't realize who i am and that's when you know all the sunday school answers you have all the correct data and facts but your life hasn't been transformed to be able to really know the stuff that God wants you to know. And this is why Ezekiel 36 says it. And I want to read it again. God says, the day's coming when I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put, come on, my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Now, I want to help you acknowledge three things this morning. The first is this, a shoulders up ministry. What it, hold up, everybody look here, shoulders up. We talk about this a lot in our church. You know, shoulders up is, it's just when your head is engaged. Your brain is engaged, but your heart's not involved. And that's a real problem. We talk about it. And a lot of church in the trendy day of seeker sensitive, real strategic church appeals only to shoulders up. We say the right stuff in creative ways. It entertains people. We like those churches and we keep coming back, but it's only shoulders up. And a shoulders up mentality, a shoulders up ministry only that appeals mostly to the intellect leaves you with a weak faith, a weak faith. This is why the apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, he says, and I'm going to just paraphrase. Everybody look here. He says, when I came to you, I didn't come with impressive speech. I didn't come with uh, big words and fancy presentations. He said, I came with a demonstration of the spirit's power. Why? So that your faith won't rest on man's wisdom. You won't sit there and go, wow, that dude can really, he's funny. That dude's a great speaker. That guy, I like him. Paul says this, the apostle Paul, who was well-trained, 
could quote the Torah. The apostle Paul says, in fact, I was, I was nervous when I preached to you. But I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith wouldn't rest on man's wisdom, but that your faith might rest on God's power. How many of you want a faith that rests on God's power, that rests in the truth and the power of his word? Come on. Why did Paul say that? You know why Paul said that? Because in the synagogue at this time in the first century, for 400 years, all there was was well-dressed, religious, well-trained, doctrinally sound teachers of the law. And they stood up there and used flowery phrases and they talked about the things of God and nobody knew God. And when God came to earth, Nobody, very few recognized God. And this is why the apostle Paul said it, because that's the kind of preaching there was in his day. And he said, I came with the demonstration of the spirit's power. The second thing I want you to acknowledge this morning is this. You need to not only be open to more Holy Spirit, but you must understand that Holy Spirit is your life. Holy Spirit is not optional, brothers and sisters. Holy Spirit, I know, has become taboo, right? I know, Pastor Chuck, you came from Atlanta. We're, bro, we're from, we're from Alabama. We know Pentecost. We know how to do spirit-filled, charismatic, full gospel ministry. I know that you know that. But the Holy Spirit still has become taboo. And pastors all over this nation have gotten into the church growth, trendy, cool, slick ministry mode. And it's all about, let's do church. But if Holy Spirit is welcome and he shows up, it's kind of like your family reunion when Aunt Susie comes. You know, everybody's praying, Aunt Susie, oh my God, there she is. Lord, let's just pray that she'll keep her mouth closed. Don't let the children around Aunt Susie. You know what I'm saying? And we've built a ministry model that is, it's cleaned up. It's sharp. It's impressive. And the people are coming and the crowds are growing. But Holy Spirit isn't there. And if he is, he's not really welcome. And he doesn't get to do what he wants to do. We're living in a day, brothers and sisters. And I'm not here to hype things up. I'm not here to sensationalize anything but here's what I am going to tell you and you know this our world is upside down and we're hanging by a thread in this culture but God sends his spirit into an awakening to bring everything right side up again now everybody say this with me the Holy Spirit is my life say it Holy Spirit is my life Give, I can give you numerous examples, but everybody just look here. Genesis chapter one, the scripture says this, that the earth was formless and void. Some translations say the earth was in chaos. Darkness prevailed pre-creation. Chaos, darkness, confusion. And the Holy Spirit 
was hovering over the face of the deep. What was the Holy Spirit doing? Waiting for the voice of God. Doing what the Holy Spirit always is. Waiting to accomplish the word of God. The next verse says, and God said, let there be light. And boom, exactly what God said, there was light. How many of you know, maybe in your own life, it's, it's formless, void, there's chaos, darkness, confusion. How many of you are thankful Holy Spirit is hovering right now over your life, waiting for you to hear the word of God and for there to be light to come into that situation? I can give you numerous examples. Holy Spirit is your life. In Luke chapter 1, everybody look here. Mary's 14, 15 years old. She's a virgin. An angel comes from heaven and says, hey, Mary, you are highly favored. You're going to conceive and bring forth a son. And she said, wait, pardon me, time out. I, I, I think you got the wrong person. Anybody ever heard a word from God? A great sermon. You go, that thing is for everybody in the room except for me. And Mary goes, you got the wrong person because I, I'm not even qualified. I, I'm, I'm a virgin. That is physically, spiritually, emotionally, in every way, that's impossible. And so Mary, after informing the angel, here's my condition, and this is the reason why you've got the wrong gal. The angel goes, Gabriel goes, I'm glad you're Mary and I understand your condition. I'm Gabriel and I just came from heaven and God told me to tell you, you're going to be with the child and his name will be called Jesus. He will be the savior of mankind. And Mary goes, Oh, she said this, I am the Lord's servant. That's a, that's a critical posture. Some of us sit in, with our arms folded and we're like, I'm just here to, Mary said, I'm your servant. And then she said this, may it be unto me according to your, I, I align with what your word just said, now do it. And the angel Brothers and sisters, I feel Holy Spirit even right now. Here, this is what happens over and over. This is the template for life change. The Holy Spirit comes just like Gabriel came with a word from the Lord to Mary. From to about something God was going to conceive in Mary that would grow and stretch Mary. That's what the word always does. And it would be birthed through Mary and it would change the world around Mary. And this is what the Holy Spirit is always doing. Bringing a word to you that na it's not naturally possible about something God wants to do in your life. It's a word from him to you about something he's going to conceive in you that will be birthed through you and change the world around you. How many of you would say, come Holy Spirit? And Mary, go, Mary goes, but how? How can that happen? That's a good question, right? I mean, Pastor Chuck, I, what's in my episodic autobiograph, the story of who I am, what's, What's on my hard drive is I've been married twice, bankrupt once, and what my dad did to me. And 
What's in my autobiographical? It disqualifies me from being able to, to do anything, you know, real normal and healthy like a lot of other people. And you're giving me all of the, the reasons why God's word doesn't apply to you. And this is what Mary did. And so the angel said, when Mary goes, how, how can that happen? Gabriel goes, that's easy. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. Everybody say overshadow you. Overshadow, what does that mean? You know, I have a big six foot seven tall son-in-law and when I used him in our church and when he stands in front of me, I'm dwarfed. You cannot see me at all. That's what you get overshadowed. You see what God is wanting to do in your life and what in your episodic memory, what God is wanting to do about that abuse, about that ex-husband, what God is wanting to do about that bankruptcy and your credit score, what God is wanting to do about the things that were said to you when you were eight years old and they went on your hard drive and you haven't been able to forget them. What God is wanting to do is come into your life and overshadow you where you won't see that and it won't listen not only will you want he may not completely erase it but he will take all of the toxicity of that memory out of your heart out of your mind out of your brain i bet you 98 percent of the people i know that have been walking with jesus they don't know what the power of the truth is jesus said you will know that you know if you know you know jesus said in john 8 if you know the truth, the nature of knowing the truth is you will be free. And then four verses later, as if they didn't understand, I know y'all think you know what freedom means. Jesus goes, no, he whom I set free is free for real. How many of you want to be free for real? Come on, somebody. You want to be free for real, like really free. You see, the Holy Spirit is your life. Your autobiographical memory, that part of you that makes you you, that part that the enemy uses to limit you, what you've been through in your journey, all of those episodes, those painful memories, experiences, this is what Holy Spirit comes to do in your life to help and to heal and reveal the love of God. You know, Holy Spirit is not just something to, it's, look here everybody, it's not just a style. You know, we go to Baptist churches, Presbyterian churches, United Methodist churches, and Pentecostal churches. And that's a, we sing louder and longer, and there seems to be more emotion, excitement. That's not, that's not what it's, Holy, that happens, but Holy Spirit is very practical. Jesus taught us what the Holy Spirit would be like. First thing is Holy Spirit illuminates the word, helps you see things that you can't see. John 16, he said, I have, there's things I would like to say to you, but you're, you can't bear them at this present time. Look here, brothers and sisters. I just, can I get real with y'all this morning? We got three people. The rest of y'all can leave. Anybody, can, can we get real, like real this morning? You know, Jesus is looking into the eyes of the disciples. He's like, imagine being Jesus. He goes, oh, there's some stuff I'd like to tell you. But you, you're not equipped to even be able to receive. Wait, Jesus, you're the ultimate teacher. But y'all aren't wired to be able to receive it. And then he, he probably had a grin come on his face. But when the Holy Spirit comes, 
He will lead you into all truth. How many of you are glad he's still leading us into all truth? <laughs> Secondly, Holy Spirit, remind, talk about practical. He reminds us of everything Jesus said. John 14, Jesus said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. Look here. Sometimes, you know, when you're stuck in that, my doctor said this. This is my condition. This is, oh, I'm a virgin. I can't be a mommy. All you need is for the Holy Spirit to come and remind you what Gabriel said, what the Word says. Is it that simple, Pastor Chuck? Yeah. Sometimes we get all in a tizzy. Do y'all have tizzies in Alabama? You get all in a tizzy, all worked up, and you just need somebody to say, excuse me, he's also Jehovah Rapha. That sugar diabetes, that crippling arthritis, that mammogram, that cancer, the Holy Spirit comes and just wants to remind you that it was nailed to the cross. Stripes were placed on Jesus' back for your healing. And he just, that's practical, right? Let me keep moving. Holy Spirit is a paraclete, comforter, counselor. Jesus said, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you a helper so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him. He's a helper. I could teach for 20 minutes just on this one. And it's, it's this practical. You know, I was coming in a couple weeks ago and I had, I had like, you ever get your groceries out of your car and you're like, I don't want to make four trips. And so you like hang them on to your fingers and bags and you got one through your belt loop and you got one in your mouth. And then you get to the door and you're like, oh, I got to sit all of this down. Over. And I get to the door and I'm like, oh, and it's like 110 degrees and it's human in Atlanta. And my son comes to the door, he sees me and he opens it. And I'm like, oh, it was just life-changing. It's like, thank you, JP. All I needed was just a little help. I know that's a simplification of life, but sometimes all you need is some divine aid. God, I don't know how we're going to work this thing out in my marriage. My husband is acting like a, he, Lord, you, I, I just need a little help. I'm here thankful. Anybody ever just received a little help? Anybody, listen, hold on. Anybody sitting beside somebody, you thank God for the Holy Spirit because they need a little help a whole lot, a little by little by little. Anybody out there? How many of you are thankful Holy Spirit is real, practical, and accessible? Holy Spirit parents us, and I could talk about this too. Jesus said, look at me, brothers and sisters. I, I, I want this to go into your, on your hard drive. And he'll, he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he says this, when Holy Spirit comes, it's going to be better. He said, right now I'm with you, but when he comes, he will be in you. How many of you know in is better than with? He won't leave you as orphans. I got two people saying yes. How many of you know in is a lot better than with? Listen, how could Jesus say, when I leave, it's going to be better? But he did. 
and it's better. Then he goes on in Romans chapter eight and Paul talks about this and he goes, when you don't even know how to pray, the Holy Spirit in you is going to cry out, Abba, Daddy God. You know what the family being destroyed in this country is doing to our nation? It's wreaking havoc on people. They can say all they want about family doesn't matter and they can do everything and all these programs that are really just a, a, a stealth dismantling of the nuclear family. And we have evidence everywhere that little boys and girls need mommies and daddies. But when they don't have them, thank God for the Holy Spirit who wells up within us and says, oh, I don't even know how to pray, but he's just reminding me that I'm your son and you are my father. Praise God for it. I could talk for 20, I'm not going to, so forgive me. Lastly, Holy Spirit empowers us to be effective witnesses. And I know, Pastor Chuck, we're from Alabama. We wrote the book on Pentecost, bro. Get a clue. But when we talk about power, when we talk about power to be What I did. It's a microphone. It's, it used to be sheet metal, but it got some engineer designed this, built it, and it is a microphone that functions like a microphone unless it loses power. 98% of Christianity or more in this country is powerless. It knows the right answers. It's a microphone. When this thing dies, it's going to microphone heaven. I know a million Christians who all they want to do is just get to heaven. They don't have any power to be an effective witness. You remember in Genesis, we were talking about the power of the Spirit. Everybody look at me, brothers and sisters. In Genesis, what happened? God created Adam. And don't think for a minute that he was chubby or wasn't a stud. He was chiseled out and Adonis. Everybody in here would want your daughter to marry somebody that looked like him because your grandchildren would be studs. But he was laying there lifeless. Good looking, muscular, handsome, and dead until God took him by the mouth and breathed oh, ruach, which is the Old Testament word for breath of God or Holy Spirit. Can you imagine Adam going and waking up and there's God? And now Adam is alive and he can function the way he was created to function. Mary, the Ruach, Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Let me remind you people, in Acts chapter two, 
Jesus had 12 disciples and he told them, do not leave this city until you have received the gift my father has promised. Don't leave. 12 people had followed Jesus. Couldn't have been a better teacher, right? They saw all the miracles, more than you and I. And Jesus said, don't leave. They were lifeless. And in Acts chapter two, God took what was now 120 and he breathed in them. The Ruach, the Bible even says wind, like a rushing mighty wind came from heaven and fell on them and the Holy Spirit was poured out. Listen to me, bro, I feel, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I, I have so much I'd like to deposit into you you get great teaching the Holy Spirit is moving in this church but not every church is as fortunate as this one I can see his glory on your faces I can see the hunger in your heart and I'm grateful for moments like this but listen to me the Holy Spirit birthed the church and the Holy Spirit sustains the church. And without the welcoming of the Holy Spirit, we will die and be powerless. How many of you know that God is taking the church through all the craziness in this world, the chaos, confusion, emptiness, void, and God is taking the church once more. And I believe just like in Acts chapter two, he's breathing life into the church. And may the church be marked by such an intimate, transformative experience and may we wake up and see oh God that's what worship is about seeing him and receiving his life thirdly and lastly is this you need to know the truth and not just know the truth you need to know it and I ask you brothers and sisters how many of you are sitting here every Sunday you get moved by yeah that's right that's true I remember that scripture. But you're not really moved. You leave, you haven't really been warmed or drawn closer to him. How many of you have been to services? And I pray it happens regularly here. If I know your pastor like I think I do, it does. You leave here and you go, I heard God speak this morning. You guys listening online at airport campus, I'm serious. How many, you go, Pastor Chuck, that's just kind of like, are you serious? I mean, that's like overselling. No, listen to me. This is the body of Christ, the church. The Holy Spirit fills this place. And when we gather in his name, he didn't say I'd be on the periphery, I'd be out in the lobby or I would be blessing. Jesus said, when you gather in my name, I'm gonna be right in the midst of what you're doing. I'm gonna be right in the middle. How many of you want him right in the middle? How many of you know when he's right in the middle, he speaks? Now, do you know the truth or do you know the truth? Some of you walking through stuff, God wants to speak and in that, that, that episodic, your story that still limits you, God's wanting to speak into that situation. And it reminds me of this, and I'm closing right here. It reminds me of, in Luke chapter 24, you, you don't have to pull that up, Zach, but Everybody look here. In Luke chapter 24, hear this story. This is so powerful. In Luke 24, this is after it's on Sunday, Jesus is resurrected. The women go to the tomb. 
they come back to the disciples and go, he wasn't there. He's been resurrected. And then the Bible changes in the last half of chapter 24 and it, it starts talking about two men, disciples, who were walking back home on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus appears to them. Anybody remember this story? The two disciples are commiserating. They're talking about the events that had just happened over the weekend. They were in Jerusalem, no doubt, all weekend long. He's dead, it's three days. And they were commiserating and they were talking about it. And the Bible said that Jesus came up and started walking with them and they didn't recognize him. Have you ever been in a, have you ever had a bad weekend that's so bad if Jesus showed up next to you, you wouldn't recognize him? I haven't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think. But for those guys, they were commiserating and Jesus showed up and he says to them, what is it you're talking about? And they go, are you the only person in all of Israel who doesn't know what just happened? Imagine, sometimes that's how our prayers are. God, do you understand what's going on? It's comical, it's actually hilarious. They say, do you, are you the only person who doesn't understand the things that just took place? And Jesus says, what things? And they start telling him, and they're like talking to Jesus saying, well, the Messiah came, or at least we thought he was. He did all these wonderful miracles and man, we thought for sure the Messiah had come. And then they, they crucified him and killed him and he's dead. And Jesus says to them, oh, how foolish. And the Bible says he starts talking about the Old Testament, all the data, the facts. And he starts saying, no, here's what the prophet said would happen. That's exactly what had happened. And then they get to a part in the road and they still don't realize it's Jesus. And Emmaus goes this way and Jesus, the Bible says he acted as if he was going to go on. And when they got to that fork in the road, the two disciples realized they're going, and they said, hey, it's late. Why don't you just come and stay at our house? I think, I'm getting so tickled up here. I think so many times Jesus is like, waiting for you to go, oh, stay with me, come on. But you go, how can we, we don't know it's him, how can we? This is why we need Holy Spirit. They invite him, he, he acts like, oh shucks, okay, I'll come. And then they're sitting, listen to me brothers and sisters, they're sitting there eating dinner, not knowing Jesus is at the table until he broke bread. And they, the Bible says, as he took a piece of and broke it, their eyes were opened. Personally, I think 
it was the disciples going, we've seen him break bread before. And the Bible said their eyes were opened and they realized who it was. And then he disappeared. Has God ever played hide and seek with you? He shows up just enough at the right time. And they looked at each other and they said, please hear me, brothers and sisters. They said to each other, one of them goes, man, when we were walking and he was talking, was your heart burning? My heart was burning. Because we're wired for supernatural truth. We are wired to hear the voice of God. When he's speaking and we don't even know it's him, it's truth and our hearts burn. Do you know how many churches in America, people come every Sunday and their hearts never burn. In this room this morning, I wanna tell you something, brothers and sisters, look at me. Many of us think when we get to heaven, I can't wait to see Moses. And go, Moses, what was it like to see a bush burning and to hear the voice of God? Moses, what was it like to stand and see the Red Sea? What was it like to touch the rock and water coming? What was all, tell me about that. Noah, when you built that big old ark, 100 years, tell me about, when it started to rain, did you feel like the man or, Jonah, what was it like inside the fish? Daniel, did you really sleep soundly in the lion's den? We're gonna ask all of them those questions and they're going to be going, wait, stop, stop. And they're going to say, Moses is going to say, Andrick, what was it like to have God live inside of you what was it like what was it like to have this all the time he says i will put my spirit in you i will give you a new heart a new spirit we hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give we'll see you next week